You know what's unique about the late, great El-Hajj Malik El-Shabazz, also known as Malcolm X, was that he was so black, he was so steeped in black nationalism, that people forgot he was Muslim. He had to remind people, he had to tell people that he was Muslim. And on any given day, it's me trying to decide which one of those um, people, the black girl or the Muslim girl, needs to have bail money ready. <laughs> ah, I've got some explaining to do. Let's get into it. Last week's show didn't convince you. This show is actually not safe for work unless you have your headphones on. And certainly not safe to play around the kiddos unless you've already explained to them that sometimes people use bad words when they don't know what else to say. I'm hoping that people are digesting these messages that I'm leaving in their ears. And not just walking away going, eh, she's, you know, talking out the side of her neck. No, I'm really trying to impart some wisdom upon the people and give you some things to think about. So like, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite platform. Also available on the YouTube. And also you can send me an email at ayanaexplainsitall at gmail.com. Share this podcast with friends, family. Strangers, I don't know why you would want to talk to a stranger. I'm kidding. But no, share it with people. Let them know that there's this cool, yes, I am cool, black Muslim lady lawyer who talks a lot of stuff and backs it up, and she has her own podcast. And get them into it. You get into it. Let's all get into it. Let me lay down what I'm going to talk about tonight because I was not going to record. I thought, I'll just take a break this week. Can't really hit people over the head every week. Can you, Ayana? Yes, I can, actually. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really sad when, as an American, you just want to rest. You just want to take just a day and just relax. But the news cycle, the current events, what's happening in our country doesn't allow us to rest. And by us, I mean Black people. It does not allow Black people to rest. I was raised in East Cleveland, Ohio. I was born in Cleveland. I was raised in East Cleveland, Ohio. 
which in 2012, November 2012, was the site of one of the worst police-involved murders of two Black people in the history of the state of Ohio. And I have never been able to get over that. I have not been able to get over it, especially since no one was held to account for it. And even though police policies allegedly changed as a result of that shooting, that that murder, that incredible, awful murder of Timothy Russell and Melissa Williams on November 29th, 2012, police still are murdering people. Specifically, they are murdering Black people. Last week, Akron, Ohio police, now I work, when I work in the office, (laughs) I work in downtown Akron. I've been there for over 10 years. And it's it's not it's it's not bustling, you know? It's kind of it's small. Um the area is small. Akron is not a huge city. But it was big enough to produce LeBron James. Yes, yes, great, great, wonderful. But Akron has a violence problem. Akron has a crime problem. Akron has a lot of issues. And what happened last week with the Akron, Ohio police underscores what has been happening to Black people in the city of Akron for decades. They are targets. They are undervalued targets of not only police violence, but homicides, drugs, poverty, and last week, Akron, Ohio police murdered a young man, a young black man named Jalen Walker. Jalen Walker was 25 years old, and you can watch the video of the interaction between him and the police on the internet. I encourage you not to watch it, but some people need to see these things for some reason. They need to see the bloodshed, the carnage to believe that it happened. They need to confirm for themselves that he was deserving of what happened to him because why else would police officers wouldn't, I mean, they don't just kill people for no reason, right? They don't have a history of killing people for no reason. Whenever they kill someone, it's because they had a reason to do it. Now, uh, I talked in earlier podcast episodes about Ohio's gun laws, rapidly changing gun laws. And allegedly, Jalen had a gun in his car. Fine. It's not illegal to have a gun in your car. It's not illegal to carry a gun in the state of Ohio. You don't need a permit to conceal carry. You don't need a permit to open carry. It is a stand-your-ground state. You can use a a gun in self-defense. You don't have to retreat. Somebody shoots at you, you shoot back. 
So having a gun and using a gun are not illegal in the state of Ohio. Defending yourself with a gun is not illegal in the state of Ohio. So for all the people saying, oh, well, he had a gun and he was shooting at police. Was he shooting at police? Remains to be seen. What I do know is that police fired 90, over 90 rounds. This is from them. This is the information they gave us. They fired over 90 rounds at Jayland. And 60 of those entered his body. Not only did 60 bullets enter his body, can you, if you can imagine 60 bullets going into human flesh, not only did they desecrate his body, they massacred him. It was dozens of police officers. It wasn't one or two police. It was so many police who showed up. Just like the, uh, the shooting in East Cleveland. There were so many police who joined in on that police chase, who fired shots into the car that uh, Melissa and that Melissa and Timothy Russell were in. One police officer even climbed on top of the car and fired into the car. Hundreds and hundreds of rounds of bullets into this car, at this car. It's the same with Jalen Walker. Dozens and dozens and dozens of bullets fired at him. Sixty landing in his body, all over his body. If you can imagine, if you're fired at 60 times, can you imagine your family goes to identify the body? You don't look like, you don't look like yourself. You've been ripped open. You've been ripped apart. And this happened as he was running from police. Now, again, police have no problem shooting people in the back. Police have no problem with using bullets to apprehend a suspect. A suspect could be laying on the ground bleeding to death and they'll put handcuffs on him and like it's normal, completely normal, like it's nothing. But he was fleeing. He was running away. And 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 just on July 4th, there was a mass shooting. The I don't even know how many there there have been this year. 180 something, 160. There have been so many. This time it was at a 4th of July parade in Highland Park, Illinois. The suspect just fired rounds into people who were just in the parade, at the parade, watching, minding their business. And then he fled. Police corner him in his car. And what did they do? Did they shoot at him? No. No, 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 no. They did not fire one bullet. They did not fire one bullet. They cornered him. They apprehended him without incident. Police have no trouble, however, using bullets 
to stop a black man who is not complying or who is running away or who has a warrant or who they believe committed a crime or who's just running, period. I saw another video where, oh, I wish I could remember the city, but police arrested this man and they put him in a police van and whoever was driving did such a poor job of driving that the man, his head went into the back of the van. So the, the door, the back door of the van, his head went into that. And when they opened up the van, because he couldn't move, they said, you know, well, we're going to have to get EMS or somebody out here to move you. And he was saying, I can't move. I'm in pain. I can't move. And they dragged him out of the van. They dragged him into the cell and left him there. When he finally got medical attention, doctors determined that he was paralyzed. Paralyzed. The police did that. Law enforcement did that. Law enforcement don't give a heap of shit about the people in their hair, number one. We know that. We've seen the conditions of some prisons. The Cuyahoga County Jail, for some reason, can't keep prisoners alive, can't keep them fed, can't keep them uh, healthy until their trial can't give them the medications they're supposed to have. The conditions are so terrible that they were investigated by the U.S. Department of Justice. Prisoners' civil rights were being violated. And as soon as the, the, the DOJ leaves and says, okay, this is what you need to do to clean up your act, do they clean up their act? No, they don't. They decide instead that they're going to build a new jail. And maybe by building this new jail, they can offer better services to the people in their care. Because remember, the county jail holds everybody. People awaiting trial, people who have warrants, people who have just been arrested. Not guilty people, guilty people. So people who are in there, this is not their final destination. So, but there are standards. There are standards that every prison system has to adhere to, human rights standards. And that was something that Malcolm X talked about in his speech, the battle, um, the ballot or the bullet, rather, he gave in Cleveland, Ohio, in April 1964. He said that, because we were calling the rights that blacks sought, the equality that blacks sought as civil rights instead of human rights, nobody was paying attention to us. We had to, to get whatever we could, whatever scraps we could from the people who were in power. We couldn't take our fight to a higher body because our human rights were being violated. 
And because it was a human rights issue and not a civil rights issue, we could take this fight to the United Nations and have other countries impose sanctions and and take action against the United States because it was not desegregating. It wasn't guaranteeing the right to vote for Black people. There were police who were hunting black people down. There was the Ku Klux Klan. There were still all of these going these things going on in 1964. And black people were still, you know, doing the, the sit-ins at the lunch counter. But even after all of that, we were still getting the hoses turned on us and the dogs sent after us. And drafted into wars and treated like shit in the military. And coming home to not the same benefits that white soldiers received. So it's a human rights issue. And that's what's going on now with these police shootings and the way prisoners are treated by law enforcement, by by jail systems, by county jail systems, by state jail systems. It's a human rights issue. Now the one the one thing I I I I admired about I still admire about Malcolm X is that even though he was a black nationalist, he was so steeped in black nationalism because he believed that was the way to help black people the greatest, to get real change in the black community for black Americans, for African Americans was to be black nationalist, he would also say, but you know, I am Muslim. I am Muslim too. But he could separate his religion from his fight for the human rights of black people. He did not impose his religion on anyone. He did not use it against anyone. He, he, he as he said, kept it in his pocket so that he could work with people of different religions to achieve real change in the United States for Black people. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the U.S. on many fronts is aging backwards. We're rolling back civil rights. We're rolling back human rights. We're rolling back equal rights. We're rolling back environmental rights. All of these things that we've achieved, all of this equality that we've achieved is being rolled back. It's like the rug is being pulled back slowly from under us. Now with, with abortion rights, what I've seen so far has been just abysmal. Girls who have been raped, who have been impregnated, forced to travel to other states, forced to travel interstate, intrastate rather, for abortion procedures. Legislators saying, well, it's a blessing that the child was conceived. No, a rape baby is not a blessing. A girl who's raped by 
uh, a man. Remember, minors cannot consent to sex. Anybody who says that they can, kiss my ass. Minors cannot consent to sex. And when a girl is 10 years old and she's pregnant because she was raped, that baby is not a blessing. That fetus is not a blessing. The fetus is not a blessing. The embryo is not a blessing. It's not a blessing that a 10-year-old girl would be forced to carry a fetus. That's your, that's your religious values, supposedly, being put on this young girl's body. And for what? So you can feel good about yourself. I notice that white people do this a lot. You really want to feel good about yourselves. You want to feel good about the things that you're doing. You want to feel good about the work that you're doing. You're do good. You have good intentions. You're good natured. Good, 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 good. Fucking stop it. Stop. Because when you're trying to be good, you're not thinking about how your actions and your words are impacting the people around you. And so all of these people who are suddenly, you know, oh, great, wonderful, no more abortions, and we're right to life, and we think all life is precious, those same people are saying it's okay for police to murder black men on the streets, black men who are running away. They're saying it's okay to murder, to murder black men. They want black women to be forced to carry a fetus to give birth to a baby that will then raise for the police to murder And for what? For what? We're giving our children to you. We're giving our children to this country. And they're being murdered. Not just murdered, but slaughtered. They're being slaughtered. And just when you try to rest, just when you think that you can rest, it happens again and again and again and again. And you see a black man's or a black child's face on TV. And you're wondering, when will it end? You've seen police kneel on the neck of a black man. You've seen police paralyze a black man. You've seen police shoot a black man who's complying. You've seen police shoot a black man who's running away. You've seen police shoot a black man who's doing nothing. You've seen police arrest black men who are doing nothing. You've seen police stop and frisk and demand ID from black people who are just walking on the street. I saw this video the other day. I see a lot of it. I, my, it's so much. 
and it's and it's 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 I'm I'm glad that someone recorded this interaction because God knows what would have happened to this black man if somebody wasn't there to record it. But he was just walking down the street minding his business. Police stopped him. Where's your ID? Give us your ID. What are you doing? What are you doing over here? It's like the fucking Gestapo. And of course, the man, I mean, he looks like he looked like he, you know, had some had seen better days. But he complied. And what did the police officer say when he saw that he was being recorded? Yeah, I'm I'm going to trust that you you don't have any warrants. You you said you don't have any warrants. I'm going to trust that you don't have any warrants. And then they they both quickly walk away. They give their badge numbers and their names and they both quickly walk away. The guy, the the person recording the video asked them for their their badge numbers and and names and they gave them and quickly walked away. But why are you stopping a man just walking down the street? He wasn't doing anything. It's not illegal to walk on the sidewalk. He wasn't on private property. He wasn't harassing anyone. He wasn't making noise. He wasn't drinking. No open container. Why are you stopping him? Oh, because you can. Because people have given you all the money and the power to do this. And they say it's okay because it's in the public's interest that you all do this. Because it's for safety, public safety. And you write to lifers think that this is okay. Even some people who are pro-choice. Yeah, there are some liberals who are sitting in their, their homes. They're happy to see police around. They're happy. Some of them aren't happy, but some of them are so happy when, they, when they're able to call police and police show up for them. But I tell you what, that parade in Highland Park there were police everywhere. There were police everywhere. I mean, it's a, it's a parade in public, so there are going to be law enforcement present. And a mass shooting still took place. There were good guys with guns all over that place. Somebody was still able to shoot and kill six people. And if you, you watch some of the videos, you'll hear the pop, 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 pop. I mean, this guy was just walking and shooting. Pop, 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 pop. And there are people running, scrambling. And some of those people probably had guns. But what were they going to do? Fire into a crowd? Kill some, kill some innocent person because they looked like the, the person, because maybe they had a gun too. When you're in that situation, you don't know who is the good guy and who is the bad guy. Sometimes all a hero can do is get people killed. But this guy's just walking through the crowd. Pop, 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 pop. Nobody did a fucking thing. Nobody shot at him 90 times. 
Nobody put 60 bullets in his body. And not that I'm saying that police should do that. They certainly should not. But I tell you who they're doing it to the most. It's black men. Not black people, black men. They target black men. They target black men for violence. Law enforcement targets black men for violence. And when you're in police custody, they give even less of a fuck about you. They'll beat you, paralyze you, starve you, humiliate you. And, and people will say, yeah, but they, you know, you don't know how these people can be. You don't know how uh, criminals can be. You don't know how prisoners can be. You don't know. I know how people can be. I know how people can be. But I also know how law enforcement can be. They're desensitized. They've lost the ability to be objective. They don't care. They deal with the same shit every day. People's, you know, problems. They're dealing with people's problems every day. And then they're dealing with their own problems. And they bring their own problems to work with them. Everybody's on one. But police are trained to kill. Do you understand? Police are trained to shoot to kill. They are not trying to stop you when they shoot you. They want to kill you. When they've made the decision to fire their gun, it is not to subdue you. It is to murder you. When they fire their gun, their intention is to murder you. When they're sitting on your chest, when their knee is on your neck, their intention is to Make sure that you understand that you are no longer in control. They are in control. You are at their mercy. And maybe you'll make it through this alive and maybe you won't. But I bet you won't do that shit again that you were doing. Yeah, because you're either going to be dead or paralyzed. They're not concerned with your safety. They are concerned with their safety, and that is the problem. They want to make it home to their families. That's not their job. Their job isn't to make sure they make it home to their families. Their job is to protect the public. You don't become a law enforcement officer thinking, oh, I'll have this job and I'll do it for a couple of hours and then I'll go home and have dinner with my, my wife and kids or my husband and my kids and put, the, put everybody to bed, tuck them in and read them a, a bedtime story and everything will be okay. No. You go into this job trained for violence, trained to kill, trained to harass the shit out of people, trained to lie to people. That's the job that you go into. And maybe you'll make it home, maybe you won't. And maybe when you go home, you won't be the same person you were when you left in the morning. It's not 
the job that's doing that to you. It's how you've been trained to be. You're trained to be a killer. You can't do normal everyday shit after that. And when you kill somebody during the course of your job and you're upset that they suspend you, yeah, because you want to get out there and do more of it. Now, I'm not a police hater, not a law enforcement hater, not at all, not at all. But I have seen too much. I have seen too much. Black men are profiled. Black men are disturbed by police. Black men are just minding their fucking business and have to deal with police bullshit every day. I do not understand it. I do not understand the hard-on that people have, that police have for black men. I don't understand it. And it doesn't matter what color the police are. It's all police. And I'll even take it further. It's a lot of people, a lot of white people especially, who have a hard-on for black men. What have these people done to you? What have these people done to you that's so awful that you're filled with this vitriol, this hatred, this loathing for them? All they've asked for, all they have asked for, all that they want is their human rights. They want to be able to live peacefully. They just want to be able to live. That's it. And people are making it really fucking hard for black men to live. Poverty is making it really fucking hard for black men to live. Joblessness is making it hard. Racism is making it hard. Educational deserts is making it hard. The lack of job opportunities, the lack of upward mobility is making it very hard. Now, (laughs) I tell you guys what, It's a lot to have to deal with being black and Muslim in this country. It's a lot to deal with. It is exhausting. It is exhausting. I cannot rest as a black person. I cannot rest as a Muslim. I can't rest. Can't take a day off. Can't take a day off from dealing with the, the, the shit. I mean, it's like you wake up and there's a steaming bag of poo on your porch every day good lord i uh, there was a supreme court decision from a case out of maine out of the state of maine and what was decided is that state funds could be used for parochial schools private religious schools and Immediately, immediately, and this is what I thought of too, because it's the truth. People were making a comparison saying, well, if Muslims or Jewish people were deciding to open schools and wanted to use public funds for Islamic private schools, people would be upset. And that's the truth. That's the truth. I remember in, what was it, Uh, 2018, rather, 
the growing Muslim community in on the west side of Cleveland, like far west side, like out in Lorain County in North Ridgeville, you know, the community is growing out there and they wanted to build a masjid. And I think it was an Islamic center, really. But it was going to be the biggest on that side of town. And when they announced their plans, the people of North Ridgeville, Ohio, on a private Facebook group that uh, focused on news in North Ridgeville, they were nasty. They were nasty. They were mean. They were angry. They were nasty. Now, this was four measly years ago, you know. After, you know, a time when people were still happy to be around each other, COVID hadn't hit yet. There was no quarantine yet. But these people wanted to build, these Muslims wanted to build a masjid. And people in North Ridgeville were like, fuck no, we can't trust those Muslims. You don't know what they're going to do. They're terrorists, blah, blah, blah. And they were really upset. Like, they fought it. They went to the city council meeting and fought it, gave their opinion on it. Their opinions, for the most part, were not nice at all. Just filled with a lot of stereotypes and a lot of uh, misinformation about Islam and about Muslims. And the city council was like, whatever. And they approved it. But ultimately, the people in charge of the project decided to build the, the, the masjid in a different city. I think in Westlake. If I have my locations correct, Westlake is just one city over, but it's bigger and probably more welcoming of Muslims and Arabs and Persians and Indians and Pakistanis and Bangladeshis. I mean, it's it's just so amazing to me how in 2018, people were still so afraid of having Muslims even worshiping anywhere near their precious neighborhoods. I think one argument was that having the masjid there was going to drive down their property value. (laughs) People are always concerned about their property values. Listen, property values only matter if you're trying to sell your house. Because then you want to get as much money as possible. But if you're like most of the people who live out there, you're just sitting on that shit for the rest of your life. What do you care if your house is worth a dollar? or $500,000. You're not going anywhere. Your problem is not the value of your property. Your problem is that you don't want Muslims in a masjid in your city. That's the problem. Islam has always been a problem for the United States especially white people in the United States. And I say a problem 
because the presence of this beautiful, wonderful, liberal, progressive religion that gives people freedoms that especially evangelical Christian Christianity doesn't give to its people makes them angry. It makes them angry. Not only does it make them angry, not only does it make them angry, they feel threatened by it. They feel threatened by Islam. And why? Because we believe differently? Oh, no. God forbid you should believe differently. You should worship differently. Not in this democracy called America where there's freedom of religion. Where there are people from all walks of life, all cultures and nationalities and languages and tongues and whatever else. People believe and worship however they want. Why are you mad? Is it because you don't want that to be the law? You don't want separation of church and state. You want one church to rule over the state. And you don't want to make room for any other religion, any other belief, any other act of worship. Anything that's different from what you believe, you don't want it anywhere near you. What did, what's her name, uh, Lauren Bobart say? That it's not the job of the state to control the church, but it's the job of the church to control the state? That she doesn't believe in separation of church and state? I'm like, are you fucking serious? Are you mad? Are you dumb? Yes, yes, yes. All of the above. Now, the founding fathers wrote separation of church and state into the U.S. Constitution. That was the law of the land. That is the law of the land. They did that because they wanted to be able to practice their brand of Christianity without the government interfering and telling them that they're going too far. They didn't want the government in their religious business because their religious business was a wackadoodle extremism. They were extremists. They were kicked out of England. They didn't leave. They were kicked out because they were extremists. So when they came to the new world, when they made it here, when they landed on Plymouth Rock, they didn't decide to be good little Christians. No, they were terrorists. They were terrorists who beat Christianity into Native Americans, into Black American slaves. There was no separation of church and state. There was only one church. They didn't want the government 
in their church business because then the government could tell them that they were going too far. They didn't want anybody to tell them that they were going too far. They didn't want anybody telling them that this isn't what Jesus would do. Beating people into submission. Holding slaves. They didn't want anyone telling them to stop. To stop killing. To stop taking advantage of people. To stop using people as animals. They didn't want anyone to tell them that they were wrong. So when people get on the horn and they talk about the the founding fathers and how great these people were and they were revolutionaries and patriots, they were fucking pigs. They were pigs. They were animals. They weren't great people. They weren't revolutionaries because they decided that they wanted to do something. That's not revolutionary. They were tired of the crown telling them that they were religious loons. That's why they came here. That's why there was a revolutionary war. They wanted their own country where they could do whatever the fuck they wanted to do without the crown putting a clamp on it. And they raped and they pillaged and they stole and they beat and they killed until this country was carved up into a bunch of different borders that we now call states. So when something happens where there's a a case of religious thought or religious practice being decided like in, at the Supreme Court level, like with this main case. And there was another case where a coach wanted to pray with the players. And what the Supreme Court decided was a school board in uh, the state of Washington had discriminated against a former football coach when it disciplined him for post-game prayers at the midfield. So what they decided was that they were going to protect religious faith over concerns about government endorsement of religion. And again, what did people say? Well, if that had been a, a Muslim coach and he was making salat or he was encouraging his, his players to makes a lot with him or pray with him that people would have been up in arms. And it's the truth. And I know that there are some Muslims who hate to hear that, who hate that Islam is used as the example against which against which uh, these things should be measured. American outrage about religion, mixing of church and state, but it's the truth. Islam has been a problem for the United States because the United States, the citizens, the people in the country have a problem with Islam. There's nothing wrong with Islam. 
There's nothing wrong with the religion. It's the people who don't like the religion. And since slaves were brought here in 1619, they were Muslim. They were brought from areas where people practiced Islam. There are records of this. They had Christianity beat into them. There were people who converted to Christian, converted in quotes, to Christianity, but they kept their mother tongue of Arabic. They kept their belief in Allah. They kept their culture, their Islamic culture, the practice of Ramadan and fasting during Ramadan. Some did it in secret. They had to. So when people say, if this was a Muslim so-and-so, if this was a Muslim, it doesn't bother me because I know that shit is the truth. I know it is the truth. Sure, you could cite other examples. You know, you could say, well, if, if, if it was a satanic cult or satanic church or temple or whatever, people would be upset. Yeah, that's true, too. Because the only religion most Americans respect is Christianity. That's what they respect. It's what they respect in schools. It's what they respect in government. It's what they respect on TV. I mean, you're not seeing, at least the TV that I'm watching, you're not seeing Islamic practices portrayed on TV at all, unless it's something about some fucking hunting a terrorist in the Middle East, unless it's, you know, some some pretty white lady and some handsome white guy traipsing across the, the world hunting Muslim terrorists, breaking up sleeper cells. They're not showing Islam in a positive light. Hell, they're not even showing Judaism in a positive light. But they'll show Christianity and Christmas and Easter and all this. They'll show that so positively, so glowingly. Even when people are being hurt. Even when people are being hurt by Christians and Christianity and religious practices, they'll still portray it as glowing and loving and wonderful. And hey, maybe it is. I'm not here to criticize Christianity at all. It's the Christians that I have a problem with. What's that saying? It's not your Christianity, but your Christians. You all have a problem. And it is high time that you learned to respect people who do not believe as you believe. We are tired of explaining this to you. We are tired of pointing out to you where your hypocrisy lies in the practice of your religion. We are tired. But I tell you what, even though I am tired, I'm still going to get on the horn and explain this shit to you until you get it. If it was a Muslim school that wanted public funds to pay for students to attend, Muslim students to attend, to learn about Islam, Islamic history, if that was a Muslim school, people would have a fit. 
People would have a fit if it was a coach who was Muslim. Who wanted to say a dua before a game or after a game. Who used the phrases Alhamdulillah or Allahu Akbar. People would be incensed. And you know you would be. Don't lie. Don't lie. I'm tired of hearing people. Well, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. I love people of all walks of life and I don't see color and I don't see race. You're lying. It isn't until you're faced with this situation, like when the Muslims wanted to put at ground zero in an interfaith building, it wasn't even a masjid that they wanted to open at ground zero. They wanted to have a prayer room in a community building and people were so fucking against it so against no no we don't want anything muslim near this near ground zero we don't want anything muslim around here we don't want anything that's going to bring muslims to this area we don't want it people were so mad and for what because maybe a Muslim would go and pray in that building and that makes it a mosque? No, that doesn't make it a mosque. If I pray on the, on the street, does that make the street a mosque? No. We have Muslims who have to fight. Fight! To get time, just a few minutes of time, away from their work to pray. Because it's, it's weird that someone would have to stop work to pray. It's odd to people. And instead of being accommodating, you're cynical, you're mean, you're jerks. And we have to fight. Everything is a fight. Everything is a fight here. Everything is a fight. Even if we vote for people who are supposedly on our side, we still have to keep fighting, fighting, fighting fighting to be seen, fighting to be heard, fighting to be able to worship as we want, fighting to be able to have just a small place where other people have grand places, fighting to be respected. Don't you all get tired of making Muslims fight? Don't you all get tired of making black people fight? We're going to keep fighting, but we are tired. I am so tired. And what's interesting is that people will see how exhausting it is for people like me. And still will do absolutely nothing to help. They don't change their minds. They don't change, try to change the, the, the station, the, the place of people like me. They don't try to advance human rights and equality, equal rights. They don't talk to their family members about their shitty attitudes about race and religion. 
they just let things pass by. Because it's so much easier if we could all just, you know, put our differences aside. Celebrate the 4th of July. It could just all, you know, and then tomorrow we'll go back to the fire and brimstone and the, the doom and gloom and everything sucks. No! I don't get to take a day off from who I am. So no, I'm not going to take a day off from telling you how you make it hard for people like me. And maybe if you were reminded more, you would stop thinking that this is, that this has to be a party all the time, that this has to be a great time all the time. Maybe you will stop thinking that because it's okay for you, it must be okay for everyone. And even though you know it's not okay for everybody, I hope it gets better. Your hope isn't doing shit for me. Maybe it brings you a little bit of comfort. You hope and you pray at night. Pray, everybody, pray to make everything better. Prayer works. Prayer without action ain't shit. And this has been Ayana Explains It All. Brought to you by facts, figures, and enlightenment. Take care.